Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. It is part two of week 16. That is right. The last episode that we are previewing fantasy viable players for redraft. Don't forget, though, we are a year-long podcast, so stick with us. And if you want the extra episode, patreon.com slash brodofantasy for less for only $3 a month, you get access to our league starting next year. You get access to our exclusive episodes every single week. You get access to our Discord. You get access to uh, tons of extras. You get access to our DMs to ask us any question you'd like in your in the privacy of your own abode and not having it uh, shared with the rest of your fantasy league. All that is available to you on patreon.com slash Fantasy. And if you win your championship, which we're hoping you do, pay... Uh, you can go to brotofantasy.com, click on the banner, or you can go on partybelts.com. It is the official championship belt, completely customizable of the Fantasy Football Podcast. If you use the promo code BROTO at checkout, that's B-R-O-T-O at checkout, you get 15% off this already extremely affordable and dope, uh, completely customizable um, situation, uh, belt situation for your championship. With that being said, let's get right into the last regular season episode of the year. The Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast begins now. G. Wilgers, Batman. They got us surrounded. That's one way to start the show. Um, what's up, Jay? What's up, Mike? What it do? Don't, for, don't forget we have part one before this, so definitely check out part one. But let's get started with part two. The Browns at the Jets um, is the first game we're going to be talking about. So, Jason, I have a question for you. Do, Shoot, you, know, do you know who the number one quarterback has been over the last four games? Um, I believe his name is Mayfield Baker. Nope, he's number two. Ryan Tannehill's number one. Uh, trick oh, question. Yeah. <laughs> I it was your question. So Ryan Tannehill is number one, but Baker Mayfield has been number two. He's been absolutely great, and he gets an opportunity Bro, to face the Browns. I mean, the Jets. If you told me and Jason a year or two ago, because we loved Baker Mayfield coming out, that Tannehill and Mayfield would be the top two quarterbacks at this point, we'd be jizzing in our pants. Um, not, <laughs> there is uh, no guarantee that there is not some jizz stains in Michael's pants at the moment. Um, also true. But let's talk about him and his weapons. Uh, Landry has been great. Higgins has seen a million targets, and he, I think, is a great play against the Jets. I, I will rank him in my top uh, 24 wide receivers. With that being said, how are you guys feeling about Baker and the pass-catching options? I'm comfortable starting all three. Start, start, start. It's all about true throw values over the past four weeks. Uh, the Baker Mayfield is better without OBJ really seems to be true at this point. There's no denying it. He's QB three in terms of true throw value over the past four weeks. Jarvis Landry is a uh, top six. I believe he's number six overall in true throw value over the past four weeks. Uh, Richard actually number three, sorry. Richard Higgins is 16. So wide receiver one, wide receiver two, QB one. And that's exactly how I'm ranking them this week. I have uh, Baker Mayfield. As my 10th QB, uh, wait, do I have my QB? Either 9 or 10. I've met number 9, actually. And then I have uh, Baker Mayfield, excuse me, Jarvis Landry and Rashard Higgins at wide receiver 13 and 16. I'm firing all three of them up. Wow, and 16. I'm also firing up Austin Hooper happily. The Jets have given up 13 touchdowns to opposing tight ends. Tyler Higby just came back to life last week um, against them. They have been the feast worthy uh, spot. 926 receiving yards also leads the league in receiving yards allowed to opposing tight ends. 
they're basically allowing 65 yards, five receptions, and a touchdown to opposing running backs per game, which is absolutely absurd. So I'm also starting Austin Hooper happily. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not too much to discuss on that end. What about on the Jets side? Are you starting anyone, Jason? Uh, well, we need to discuss the running backs real quick. Uh, that's um, that's true. Well, you're right, you're right, you're right. I, I kind of wanted – I don't know what I was thinking. I kind of wanted to save the running backs for last on, on the Browns. Uh, but let's not do that. That doesn't make any sense. Nick Chubb, Tim. Ten touchdowns in ten games. Uh, five touchdowns in the last four games. You're firing him up happily. I think their only concern comes with Kareem Hunt, yes. who we saw uh, fall come ball, fall back down to earth last week against the Giants. And earth, that's always a concern. Earth is one way if to he has, Yeah, I mean, if he has three, if he only gets seven rushes and three receptions in a game, it's going to be hard for him to produce like the stud like he's produced as at times this season. It's always up in the air with Kareem Hunt. The Jets propose a game where it might seem like it's a good matchup. But if the Browns go up early, like we saw last week against the Giants, Cream Hunt may not be involved that much. That's always the concern. Because he has top 10 potential, I have him slotted in as running back 21 because they're just those are the guys that I prefer him over, the David Johnsons and McKissicks and Drakes of the world. I think Cream Hunt you could take a shot on there because there's a chance that he scores one of the touchdowns before the Browns destroy the Jets. It's always a toss-up with him, though. Um. Yeah, I agree. Kareem Hunt's hard to trust in this game, but it is the Jets. Um, what about the Jets side? Uh, I don't think you start anyone on the Jets side. Yep, hard pass on everyone, period. It's week 16. Do not trust the Jet. We're not even going to waste our breath discussing them. Um, Except and- off. Damn it. I actually <laughs> like Jamison Crowder this week. I forgot. Because <laughs> Jamison Crowder has kind of turned back into the alpha receiver on that team, and whenever he's had that role, he has been... Uh, decently productive. I mean, he was the wide receiver 36 last week. Two of the last three weeks, he's been a top 36 receiver. And to see uh, 19 targets over the past three weeks is nice to show that he's uh, he's getting back into that into that role as the number one guy for the Jets. Perriman and Mims are both not trustworthy by any means. Uh, the Cleveland uh, secondary is certainly beatable. So I do think Jamison Crowder has some low-end wide receiver three uh, flex appeal here. But that's about it. Um, definitely going to want to start the Cleveland defense. Uh, let's go on to the next game, the Bears at the Jaguars. This is a very similar type of game where it's going to be hard for me to start any Jaguar in this game. Uh, talk me, convince me that I'm wrong. No, I agree. I mean, the latest news is that they don't even know if Minshew is going to be the quarterback that starts this game. I bet my money that it is, but even so, he hasn't been very good. Uh, it's a crapshoot of which Jaguars receiver will score because one of them probably will. But last week it was Chris Conley. Yeah. After he, after Colin Johnson got injured and Conley got his fourth wide receiver role back, so like, come on, fuck out of here with those guys. And then if James Robinson is out, your it's your guess whether Devin Osgibo or Osigbo or um Darren Agabinawale. They're just it's more of a competition of hardest name to pronounce rather than competition of which guy do you want to start. Uh, so that's where I'm at with the Jaguars. I'm, I'll take you on Petropolis. I'll take I'll take you on any day. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, and it's very it's very important to know that James Robinson might play though. I think that's eh. he might. I mean, play. He said he's not going to practice because he wants to try to play. Yes. I, I highly highly doubt they're going to let this guy go. It doesn't make any sense. What if at he all. What if he does play? You, you, I mean, how can you sit him? 
I'm not, man. I don't know. If he does play, he becomes a very risky RB2. The dude is hurt, and he's not going to practice all week, and I don't see how you could just trust him, especially when his role over the last couple weeks was, hasn't been workhorse numbers anyways. Uh, and over the last two weeks, he has been RB22 and RB25, which is not up to the James Robinson par that we've seen uh, previously. So, no, I don't think he's a must start if they do let him go because he's going to be very risky. I think he's going to be more of a mid to low end RB two. It's hard for me to doubt James Robinson. Cause I know that every time James, Rob- I've doubted him, he's proven me wrong this year. So it's hard for me to doubt him. I just don't see the huge upside with his diminishing role the past couple of weeks. And now his injury. I, I think the upside is he's James Robinson and he's going to get 20 touches. All right. So I, I, I feel like if you're in the championship and you have James Robinson, it's hard to, it's hard to imagine that you're in a situation where you have anyone else, so you're probably starting James Robinson if he plays. Um, let's go over to the Bears side. <laughs> DeMont, he did it last year. I mean, last week. Just so you guys know, uh, David Montgomery, DeMont, has scored nearly as many points in the last four games. Only four less points in the last four games than he did in his first nine games overall. And now he's facing the Jaguars, who have literally been hemorrhaging rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. I mean, he's a great start again. Yeah, DeMont, for the past four weeks, is four of his best five games of his career. That's all you really need to know. The dude has been absolutely balling out and taking the L on David Montgomery for sure. Um, you got to take L's sometimes, and to uh, to not take L's means you're a little bitch. So, yeah, I'm taking the L on David Montgomery because he's been an absolute monster. I have him as my RB5 this week, which ultimately means he's going to become David Montgomery again, let us all down, and end as outside the top 30 running backs. <laughs> but in real, real talk, obviously you're starting David Montgomery at this point. There's no way you don't. So let's go to Money Mitch then. So Because Money Mitch last week... Only 21 passes, and they've been, Michael mentioned this on the review pod, that they've been concentrating on the run. This does seem like an amazing matchup for Mitch Trubisky. Jason, what is your, how are you feeling about Mitch Trubisky? I think Allen Robinson is an obvious play in this game. How are you feeling about Mitch Trubisky throwing out Allen Robinson? The concern about Trubisky is volume, right? With David Montgomery's onslaught of touchdowns, we've seen Mitch Trubisky have a couple of down games within the last few weeks just because he's not finding the end zone because he's handling it off instead. So that's the concern. He's 13th in true target value, so he's been very good there. And he uses his legs a bit, and Jacksonville offers a great matchup, but the concern is that Montgomery finds the end zone two, three times. So that's the risk you're taking if you're starting Trubisky. I know Michael doesn't want anything to do with him. I have Trubisky in the 11 range. I might move him back a little bit, but I think it's a decent streaming option, and if you look at what his receivers have done recently, Daryl Mooney has been a flex option. The Mooney line has been high recently. And at wide receiver 37 in the true, true target value the past few weeks, it's only right that the Mooney line is set at right at the flex line to end the season because uh, that's basically where it's been at. So Darnell Mooney has flex potential. And Allen Robinson, you got to keep firing up as a QB1, as, the, as a wide receiver one, as the wide receiver nine in true target value over the last four weeks. I kind of agree with you, Jason, but it's hard for me to start Daryl Mooney in a championship game. But then but then again, if you have to, you have to, and he's not the worst play. Um, but it's going to be hard for me to do that. Um, Bears defense, also a f- number, a, a great play. Uh, possibly the number one defense on the week. So play the Bears. Anyone else you guys want to talk about in this game? Uh, Bears. Um, Cole Komet and Jimmy Graham uh, 
Well, Cole Komet came back down to earth last week. I'm not going to trust him or Jimmy Graham this time around. All right, so let's get into the next one. It is the Bengals at the Texans. But I do, I did want to say, I did want to say, Cole Komet played 100% of snaps, which is certainly something that's notable. Okay. So I'd rather not trust him, but he is an interesting guy. As you note, Michael's wishy-washy ways against Cole Komet. Let's go over to the Bengals and the Titans. I mean, the Texans. One guy. Wobble fat. <laughs> Dude, there's a lot. There's a lot to be said about Gio Bernard because Gio Bernard last week takes 26 fucking touches and turns them into a great week. So what do we do this week? Pro Houston is absolutely terrible against the run. They've allowed 12 RB twos or better in the last nine weeks. That's less weeks than running backs. Just so you know, just so we're on the same page here. <clears throat> That's what we're looking at. On top of that, they've allowed three RB1s in a row. 26 touches for Bernard last week. On the flip side, that's Bernard's first double-digit game since week eight. So the question is, if you are rostering Gio Bernard, what the fuck do you do? Dude, the Cowboys and Texans are the only teams allowing more than 117 rushing yards per game. And the Texans are allowing 137 rushing yards per game. That's how ridiculously bad they've been on the ground. Over a touchdown per game on the ground as well. And guess what? They've also given up 70 receptions for 616 yards through the air. Uh, Gio Bernard is a flex play this week uh, because there is downside, of course. But to just completely write him off would be silly because he became a workhorse once again. Uh, so he, he, is, he has upside here, man. I don't hate the idea because of how ridiculously bad Houston is against running backs. Um, yeah, I think Gio Bernard's a good play. Um, how do you feel? Everyone else in this game, though, for the Bengals, like I'm not touching them. Me either. Tyler Boyd got injured, and then Alex Erickson basically slotted into his slot role. Uh, T. Higgins on the outside barely got any work. AJ Green the same. Ryan Finley did an admirable job against the Steelers, but he ran in a touchdown. He used his legs a decent amount. I can't they trust ran a lot any of, of those pass catchers. Uh, read option plays with Finley, which was interesting. Because he's not really like a runner-runner, but they're trying to get some offense going. And I mean, it's a runner-runner. Nothing says get Ooh. offense going like running RPOs with an e-mobile quarterback. Um, let's go over to the other side, the Texans. You've been playing Deshaun Watson, and you've been happy in hard matchups in the last few weeks. And his... His long pass stats, I could I could rail them off to you, but to make it short and short, uh, he's been good in terms of yards without Will Fuller on long passes, basically the same. The only problem is Will Fuller used to take those in for touchdowns, and now they're not going for touchdowns. With that being said, he's still he's still great. He's still doing great. You you love playing him in this game. I'm gonna fire up him. I'm gonna fire up Cooks. I'm gonna fire up Kiki QT. I'm thinking about playing some Chad Hansen. How are you guys feeling? I don't know if I want to follow the fluky wide open 50 yard touchdown that Hanson had. He only had three targets outside of that. I do think that you want to keep firing up cooks. He's been super consistent, even though he hasn't found the end zone. You think that that has to give at some point. This seems like a good matchup to give. Uh, and I don't think we can discount uh, QT as well. Has been very good the last few weeks, continues to find the end zone and produce wide receiver three weeks. I don't think that you should be scared of starting him at all. He's been very good. And, what I want to talk about is Jordan Akins because he continues to see a lot of targets over the last four weeks. He's ninth in true target value. 
And he's put up two decent weeks back to back. A decent is a kind of a stretch. But he should have caught a touchdown against the Bears. I'm sorry, but he should have. And he followed that up with a, a five for 50 line, which put him at tight end 18 because tight ends suck. So sometimes you just have to follow the targets and the quarterback. And if he's going to see six targets from Watson against the Bengals, again, he has a chance to be a tight end one. I don't disagree. Uh, the 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 Jordan Aikens fucking saga. I want to wanna... also like David Johnson's eleven targets. He he's seen four max in other games. The Texans aren't going to be trailing by a million points against the Bengals. Please write that off and just laugh at the fact that other people on Fantasy Pros have David Johnson as the eleventh running back. Please, because I mean, and, but and, don't ignore that. You can't just write off David Johnson, though. Dude, like, I, I agree. Ranking him as RB1 11? is a joke. 11? But he played 80% of snaps, and Duke Johnson is expected to be out again. If Duke Johnson's out, he's a great play. As an RB2. 11? He's not going to see 11 targets again, man. He's not an RB1. He's just not good. I mean, but he's also going to see a ridiculous amount of work. He's been seeing a ridiculous amount of work all season. No, he's been mixing in with Duke Johnson, too. 80% of snaps and 11 targets is not something you just... 100 receiving yards, you just turn you your head. You don't rank him as an RB1, but at the same time, you can't ignore it. I have an RB16. I'm at 23. I think he's a back-end RB2. I think he's somewhere in between there. I'll probably be somewhere in between there. Anyone else on the Texans you guys want to talk about? What about, Michael, you were on the verge of talking about someone. I think I think Kiki QT is a good play in this game. I think Brandon Cooks is a good play in this game. Yeah, uh, QT and Cooks, they got a better matchup now than they've had the last three weeks where they both have been playable. Cooks has been a little bit of a disappointment, in my opinion. He hasn't had that uh, that big game. Uh, he's been more along the wide receiver three flex lines for quite a bit. I mean, wide receiver 44, 33, 28, 48, 42. Like, it's decent, but it hasn't been, like, big. Um, but now he gets a good matchup against Cincinnati. I do think Cooks and uh, QT are certainly playable options. I have them both as high-end wide receiver threes right now. Um, and I think they both uh, can be played. But again, like Jason said, I, I'm not going to trust Chad Hansen's uh, kind of fluky touchdown. Um, you guys ready to move on to the next game or what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and a because um, let's go on to the next game. The Colts at the Steelers. Man, talk about a fucking... Giant free fall. Michael called this. As soon as Michael said the Steelers are frauds, they have been fraudulent. In fact, even like their wins, even though if they're fraudulent, they definitely weren't frauds fantasy wise. Now they're fantasy frauds because they have one fantasy viable player, and that's the De- and that's uh, Deontay Johnson. That's it. There's no one else on this team that I want to play this week. Correct. Deontay Johnson over the last four weeks peppered it with targets, even though he drops half of them. Wide receiver 24 in true target value. If you look at Juju Smith-Schuster, he's number 46. Chase Claypool, 56. The fantasy points align with this. The fact of the matter is Big Ben has been a straight to-do he's hurt. the last few weeks. He's got to be hurt. He's hurt and he's old. He's the quarterback 31 in true throw value. Just despicable. His throws the last few weeks have literally been half of Watson, Rogers, Mayfield, Tanhill, Jackson. So five targets from Jackson has been worth 10 targets from Big Ben. That's why we're seeing Marquise Brown outperform Juju and Claypool these last few weeks. It makes a lot so, of it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so I don't want to touch I don't want to touch those guys. You're right. Deontay Johnson's the only one I'm trusting. 
Uh, even the backfield. Yeah, I think they're, they they have been at least semi decent though. It's not like you could just completely write them off, but I do think they're certainly more wide receiver threes because they've shown significant downside since Big Ben has taken a turn for the worse. And yeah, I I called them being uh, frauds. I said they're the worst ten and zero team maybe ever, and that's looking very right. But geez Louise, I didn't even expect this bad of like a downturn for that team. On the other side, because you're talking about the downturn too. On the other side, the Steelers have lost. And I mentioned this last week. The Steelers have lost three out of four starters in their linebacking core. They are completely hurt on defense. And what we see is the running backs have had success against them the last few weeks, particularly Gio Bernard, who crushed them last week. In a game where Gio Bernard was the only option and they were only running, he was able to run all over them and produce on 26 touches. So now you have a super hot running back in Jonathan Taylor. You have another running back who's who's going to be... Um, who's going to be playable in, in Heem Hines. And usually I would say I would stay away from the pass catching and the passers in this game if I was if this was week nine. But because this is a matchup where it's like Phillip Rivers stays in the pocket. The Steelers lead the league in, in sacks. So it, it makes sense that this is a correlation. But this is not the same Steelers team anymore. And I think that there could be some success to be had for T.Y. Hilton. Um... Maybe for one of the tight ends, but it's hard to trust any of them. Well, how are you guys feeling about uh, the Colts passing offense? And then we'll get to the running backs, because I think that's where the money's at. Yeah, T.Y. Hilton still had a uh, solid game last week. He didn't have the blow-up game um, like he's had the three weeks prior, where you're expecting maybe like a, a top-20 finish. But he still had a very solid game last week. It was just Zach Pascal who was scoring the uh, the touchdowns. We can't really complain about a 4-for-71 line, and now he gets pit who has been beatable through the air when the quarterback gets time. And Indy has a very strong offensive line um, and has kept Phillip Rivers clean in the pocket for a lot of the season. So I do think he'll, he'll get some time to throw. It's just the, the thing for me, I don't see how you could trust Pascal or um, Michael Pittman at this time because they have both have just been very inconsistent and mainly down games. Like Pascal's big game last week kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, there's no way I'm chasing that. The one time I decide to actually look at your guys' faces as you're talking, fucking Jason's doing a, a dance in the background that's completely distracting me from I I just I didn't hear anything you just said, Michael. I'm sorry. To the dance, jamming, dance, dance. I was jamming to Hanson. I'm not gonna lie to you. Do uh, uh, anyways, I'll take over the running backs. Jonathan Taylor, according to PFF, forced nine missed tackles on carries from weeks one through ten. From weeks eleven through fifteen, twenty-two. Oh boy. He's just been better. That is all you can say. He's been better. And you want to fire him up. He's been a star at this point. You start him, yeah. Naeem yeah. Hines, though, I'm certainly more concerned about. Uh, I'm no longer ranking him as like a low-end RB2 option. He played less than 20 snaps last week. He's kind of settling in as like the backup kind of at this point. Uh, 10 targets over the past three weeks. So it's not like his. he had 10 targets in week 12 alone. So uh, it's just at, at this point, he's more of a flex play um, that needs to find the end zone to really... Uh, come through for you. Am I crazy at this point for just preferring Connor to sit? Like, I'd rather start Snell than trusting that Connor's going to see a decent workload after being out this many games. First of I all, just number really one, try to not start a Pittsburgh yeah. running back, honestly. I was, was going to say, I'd rather start Snell, but I'd really rather start no one. Um, anyone else you guys want to talk about in this game? Phillip Rivers is, is, I guess, an option, but definitely someone you want to stay away from um, if you can. Uh, 
if you need to start him in like a two quarterback league, this could be a better matchup than you originally thought it was going to be earlier in the year. But I think that's all for Philip Rivers. Anyone else you guys want to talk about in this game? No. All right. Let's. Move. Oh, I mean, Eric, Eric Ebron, I guess, uh, might not play because right. of the injury that knocked him out of last week's game. If he does play, he's always a streaming option. But keep an eye on his uh, injury status. I wonder how many people needed like one point out of Eric Ebron last week that lost. Yeah, that's that's rough. But I mean, you can't predict injuries, man. I needed I needed ten points out of Juju last week. Um, I lost. If you didn't know, um, yeah. let's go over to our next game. It is the Broncos at the goal. Chargers goal. Uh, go Chargers go. I yesterday I I started watching Jingle All the Way with my wife. Nice. Great movie. Put the cookie down. It. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I watched it recently too. To be honest, it was it was better as children. I'm not gonna lie to you. What? I thought it was what? better. That as... movie's fantastic. Thought... It's great. The, the ending is great when he's Turbo Man and all, but uh, sorry, spoiler, but like <sighs> Nah. Do you know what it is, Jason? You're in the you're in mid-range right now. How old are you? Twenty four, right? Twenty five? Five. Twenty five. You're twenty five. You're not married yet, and you're not a kid. So this this movie doesn't hit you as a married man who's been married for a couple of years now. All the the problems that they were having and all that stuff and like the the promises the guy was making and the girl like oh, I'm disappointed that it it resonates it hits it hits different. Um, let's go over to the Broncos at the Chargers. No offense. Oh, Chargers go. Talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's why we started. Uh, yeah. No Will offense. You not paying attention at all. <laughs> I wasn't. No. Over the last three games. Um, has over 28% of the targets on the team. Last week, he got a third of the targets. If he's healthy with a young QB, sorry, Michael, I'm back on the Noah fan bandwagon, and I'm comfortable starting him against the Chargers this week. No, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine jumping back on the fan bandwagon as well. I have him at tight end 10. ECR is tight end 7. That's a little rich for me. But I'm fine with firing up Fant here. Uh, that's how bad the tight end landscape is, even though he's been terrible for the majority of the year. One big game, another good... Um, Matchup, 18 targets over the last two weeks. I'm willing to jump back in on Noah Fant because that's the way the tight end landscape is. And he finally, again, he finally looks healthy. Against Buffalo, he looked very good. So I'm okay with starting Noah Fant this week. Um, Jason, what about these other pass-catching options for the Broncos? Hard to trust. Even even Tim, wide, re- wide receiver three, Patrick, um, had a bad game last week for the first time in a while. At least combine the name or something. Tim, why does he were three trick or something? You can't just say, why does he were three Patrick? Yeah, it was his first bad game in a while. Uh, the last few weeks, he's seen 13 targets, which isn't ideal. It's come against tough matchups as well. Casey, Carolina, Buffalo. But he has the same number of wide receiver three finishes as Terry McLaurin, as a few other Allen, uh, Allen Robinson or some shit. Michael tweeted it last week. He's been very good. And I don't think you just discount him after one bad game. That's what happened after week 12 and against Kansas City. He ended up with two touchdowns, ended as a wide receiver nine. So I still have him in the wide receiver three range. The Chargers secondary hasn't been as good as uh, some may think. So I'm okay firing up Tim Patrick. I don't want to touch anyone else. Okay. Um, The backfield now. Uh, Melgo. Good game last week. He's been good. Uh, I have no reservations starting him in this game. I'm starting him with confidence. How are you guys feeling? Uh, I've had uh, my fair share of uh, qualms about Melvin Gordon of late. But, yeah, no denying the fact that he has been better. Um, The two touchdowns last week in a game where they were trailing, where you wouldn't expect uh, rushing touchdowns to happen. Um, Down like three, four touchdowns. They were still giving him the ball near the goal line. 
He's now been a top 21 running back three the last three weeks. Uh, top 10 running back uh, two of the last five weeks. The touchdown upside is there if they're just going to c- continue feeding him the ball. It was concerning that Philip Lindsay started last week, which was a little surprising as well. And they do uh, split carries. But it was also nice to see four receptions for Melvin Gordon. Getting involved in the passing game again for, again for a little bit. That's his second highest total of the year. And now he has seven receptions each of the last two uh, total the last two games, which is his second best stretch of the year. And against the Chargers, um, a very beatable ground. They're giving up a very beatable on the ground. They're giving up over four and a half yards per carry. I do think Melvin Gordon uh, is an RB2 play here. Um, I have him at RB18, a little lower than consensus. I guess I'm just not, I'm just going to continue to be a little bit of a hater on Melvin Gordon, but I do think there's some uh, potential for a nice game here against the Chargers. Uh Revenge game? Huh? Revenge game too, yeah. Remember, he did hold out last year for six weeks. They didn't pay him, and then they didn't pay him in the offseason. He's got to have some quarter, some sort of animosity towards the, the the Chargers. And I know that the Broncos, not playing for anything, will probably be playing for getting him as many uh, looks as they can. Let's go over to the Chargers side. Justin Herbert, nice bounce-back game last week, despite the fact that he didn't have Keenan Allen at 100% and only for limited snaps. Now, people might be scared away from Keenan Allen in this game because of what we said. How are you feeling about Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert, and the pass-catching options for the Chargers? It's all about health with Keenan Allen. He didn't practice on Tuesday. That's the latest update I have. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong. He also didn't practice Wednesday, actually. Looking more and more like he's not going to play or he's going to play as a game-time decision, and we saw how that worked out last week. So I... Right now, I'm going to have to move him in my rankings. He's probably a wide receiver three at best if he does play because we saw what happened last week. You really don't know what you're going to get. Uh, Tyron Johnson and Jalen Guyton got a, a bit more interesting. If that's the case, uh, it's just going to be tough to know until Sunday. Just one of those types of games. Justin Herbert was slinging, though, against the Raiders. Ended up throwing for 314 yards. Had three touchdowns on the game. Denver is not a super imposing secondary, so I do think he's... Back in the QB1 conversation after having a few bad games. Uh, just a little rookie burp. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, he's he, he needs to be started. If you're starting him, you're doing so with confidence. Um, besides Keenan Allen, are you starting any of these pass-catching options on the outside? You Basically, we know right now for the Chargers, it's funnel, right? You want to start Keenan Allen. You want to start Austin Eckler, although he's been shaky the past couple games. And then you want to you want to start Hunter Henry because Hunter Henry has been much better. Um, it's it's a funnel offense. I don't have a problem starting those guys if if those guys have been starting for you. You're starting them again. The Allen Williams injury certainly helped Hunter Henry. So yeah, he's locked and loaded. Who the fuck um, is Allen Williams? The Allen and Williams injuries. Oh, okay, good. I guess that was a little uh, a little <laughs> confusing. Uh, but I mean, yeah, you can't completely write off Tyron Johnson though. Um, he now has back-to-back weeks as a top 20 option, uh, as a top 22 option in half PPR. If Keenan Allen sits and Mike Williams sits, I do think he's going to have some appeal as a wide receiver three, flex play, plug-and-play type of guy. Uh, Jalen Guyton just continues to be a deep shot type of guy, so I do prefer Tyron Johnson if it comes down to it. Anyone else um, on this team that you guys want to discuss? Jason, what's your what's your confidence level on Hunter Henry? Yeah, I think that you have to throw him out there if the 
I mean, the pass catchers are banged up. That's just a fact. So you have to throw them out there. Last week, he saw five, had five catches, 65 yards, and a touchdown. The week before, six catches, 41 yards. As long as he's seeing at least seven targets, which he's done in three of the last four games, you want to throw him out there. And this helps him out with the pass catchers being banged up. Anyone else you guys want to talk about? No. All right, let's move on to our next game. It is the Eagles and the Cowboys. Hold on, did you talk about Austin Eckler? Oh. oh, no, we didn't talk about Austin Eckler. No. So Michael said no. So you shouldn't have said no. It was that's I'm how I'm blaming it on Michael. Justin Herbert as well. Now nah, we talked I about Justin to... Herbert. Not really. I mean, we talked about him though. Go ahead. I just want to say he finally didn't force a bunch of throws in that offense to Austin Eckler. Eckler only had four targets and four receptions. He was actually throwing downfield again, and he absolutely dominated. So expecting that to continue going into Denver, uh, I, I think he's a strong quarterback. One play, and I'm I'm not really scared off from uh, from playing him. And Jason, what are your thoughts on Eckler? Uh, I think that Eckler, you need to fire him up. He's been a little up and down since his return. Two top 10 finishes, two finishes outside the top 25. But even those were 27 and 29. So he hasn't been bad by any means. Um, it's just he's been a little bit more up and down than you'd like. Only four targets last week, which is a little bit uh, concerning, but you might just want to write that off as an anomaly as he's seen at least nine targets in every other game since his return. Uh, so I think that's what you need to expect. Uh, a decent game where you he's going to see at least 13 rushes probably and in the 70-yard range. Uh, see like if you see at least seven targets, in my opinion. He just needs to find the end zone. He hasn't found the end zone since his return, and that's what's been holding him back a bit. Uh, if he finds the end zone, he has a chance to be a high-end RB1. All right, so let's actually get into this NFC matchup, uh, NFC's matchup, the Eagles at the Cowboys. Uh, Miles Sanders finally looks like the workhorse running back that you drafted him to be uh, for the first time in weeks. Miles Sanders got 100% of the running back work last week, 100%. With Jalen Hurts, he's been a workhorse. He's gotten over 90% of the work since Jalen Hurts has been the quarterback. It makes you think that why wasn't this the case um, in general? Right? Yeah. Why, why wasn't this the case when Carson Wentz was in? Uh, with that being said, though, uh, he's playing a Cowboys team, which uh, has been literally atrocious against the run. How are you feeling about this? It's odd that uh, I agree that they just kind of, it's kind of like they were trying to make Carson Wentz fail with the fact that what they've been doing with Miles Sanders. But yeah, I mean, the Cowboys, uh, one of two teams in the league to allow over 117 rushing yards per game, and they're at 133. Um, 14 rushing touchdowns on the season. They have actually been pretty stingy through the air, only 36 receptions. Um, uh, excuse me, 55 receptions for 336 yards. But guess what? Miles Sanders' roll through the air hasn't really been there at all this year anyways, unfortunately, for whatever reason. It doesn't make any sense. But he's been a... He, when he has big games, it's because he breaks out long runs. And against Dallas, uh, it's one of the best matchups you could get if you're looking to break a long run. So I do think he's a... a uh, high upside play here. I've met RB twelve uh, just because the pass catching potential just there hasn't been any. Uh, but he does have a chance to break out one of those patented seventy plus yard touchdown runs here. Um, Jason, it's hard to trust any of the Eagles wide receivers in this game. But with that being said, somehow Jalen Hurts still feels like a great play. Correct, yeah. I mean, Jalen Hurts threw for 338 yards last week and four touchdowns, and who was the main beneficiary? You tell me. Greg right? Ward. Alshon yeah, Jeffrey. Was... Alshon Jeffrey had a touchdown. 
No, that was that was two weeks ago when he had a touchdown. Oh. Ward had two touchdowns, but those are his only two catches. Yeah, and Rhaegar played well before he left the game. Rhaegar. He's not Suck a Game it. of Thrones character. Fuck it. <laughs> Calling him Rhaegar. Um, he's getting me confused now. Basically, you Hurts is going to have a very good game without one wide receiver being the beneficiary. Same to go with the tight ends. Goddard and Ertz. Um, last week, Zach Ertz ran more routes than Goddard. Also gained more yards. The Cowboys defense is fourth, uh, is third in third best against tight ends this year in yards allowed. So I told you guys last week, I didn't really trust Dallas Goddard and he put up a 439 game. I still don't trust him. I'd rather not have Goddard or Ertz in my lineup this week. I think that it's funny. Like Tim said, Hertz is a great play, but his weapons aren't. Yeah, it's odd. Because yeah. like Greg Ward, I said two touchdowns, two catches for like 15 yards. Otherwise, Alshon Jeffrey played the most snaps of all the wide receivers. Rager, I guess, he has upside, but how many times are people going to say, now's the time to start Jalen Rager? Like it's championship week. If you start Jalen Rager, I kind of feel sorry for you. Yeah, there's no uh, – He these guys are more DFS plays. Um, what about the tight end situation? Dallas Goddard, he got into the end zone last week. No? Am I bugging? No, he did not. As Jason touched on it, Ertz actually ran more routes and such. Ertz, 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 Ertz. They both saw eight targets, so they were basically operating as the number ones, uh, along with Rager, who also saw eight targets. But again, I agree with Jason that at this point, it's really hard to trust any of these guys because you have no idea what's going to happen. It's disappointing. Uh, Dallas Goddard has been one of the more disappointing players in in, in fantasy this year. Uh, let's go over to the Cowboys side. Um, the Eagles have been beatable. Um Darius Slay has not been the guy that they paid for. Amari Cooper had his first bad game in a while. Are you jumping back on the Coop train? Yeah, very upsetting to see that last week. Uh, right when we were discussing how consistent Amari Cooper has been, and then he gets outworked by Lamb and Gallup. Not cool. Um, against Philly, look, like you said, big play Slay has just been normal. Darius Slay, two for 10, though, last week is certainly concerning, and only eight targets over the last two weeks. Prior to that, he had eight targets and nine targets in each game. Uh, so it's not something you want to see, but Philly is certainly beatable through the air. If you have Amari Cooper, you know how consistent he's been this season, and you've been riding it all season. Um, I think he's more of a wide receiver three play this week because of the downside that he's shown uh, without Dak Prescott at, at QB. He's had a couple of really big stinkers over the last seven weeks, um, so there's, no, there's not a 0% chance that it doesn't happen again. But we've also seen how uh, high of a floor he's had outside of those games. Uh, if he catches a touchdown, he'll also have a big game. I'm okay with Amari Cooper this week against Philly. I'd certainly prefer him over Lamb and Gallup. Like, I'm not going to look at last week and change my order of Cooper, Lamb, and Gallup for the Cowboys receivers in my rankings. No, for sure. But, I mean, Lamb is – I don't know. Lamb is – I'd rather play Lamb than Gallup. But I'd play Cooper over. Yeah, Lamb. I agree. But people are also jumping on the Lamb bandwagon a little too quick. I think let's not forget six points last week came from a returned onside kick. So sure, he finished with seventeen fantasy points, but really it's supposed to be eleven fantasy points. So yeah. careful chasing that. Um, prior to that, he had three straight games where he was outside the top fifty receivers. So I am a little bit more cautious about CD Lamb, although it's a good matchup. So I do think he has some flex appeal. I just there's basically no ceiling when it comes to any of the Cowboys receivers outside of Mari Cooper, because Cooper's been the one to really show any sort of ceiling this year since the Dak Prescott injury. And let's talk about the backfield to finish this off, because I don't think you can possibly start um, Dalton Schultz in this matchup. So 
let's talk about the backfield. Tony Pollard ran like the Dickens to RB1 last week. Um, it's not sure that he's going to be the starter again, but I know that we are similar to last week in our thoughts of if Zeke plays, then I'm comfortable sitting Zeke. If Zeke does not play, then I am gung-ho for Tony Pollard. That's correct, yeah. I mean, and that's because the third running back on the Cowboys goes by the name of Rico Dowdle, and he only had four rushes last week. Uncle Rico. So it, yeah, it's really workhorse versus fucking scrub horse at this point. Zeke Pollard, hasn't been good. 90% of snaps last week. Led the team in targets with nine. Yeah, and most recently, Zeke said he feels like he's on track to play Sunday. Uh, it's good for you, Zeke. I'm not going to take his personal opinion to um, seriously, it's really just we don't know yet whether he's going to play. But like Tim said, if he plays, Philly has been a good run defense and Pollard has been has definitely earned the increase in playing time. So I don't really feel comfortable starting Zeke too much. Pollard is a great play if he's the only guy there. Anyone else in this in this game you guys want to talk about? Uh, I don't believe so. Nope. All right. So let's get physical physical let's get physical that's what the rams listen to i think in their uh, locker room um this week they're gonna have to get physical against the seahawks if they want to bounce back from the worst game ever in the history of the nf fucking fell um <laughs> against the jets last week but the question is let's start with the seahawks on the offensive side because the rams defense has been great what do you do with this Seahawks offense? Russell Wilson has not been good. He's thrown two TDs or more only twice in the past five games, and one of those was against a four-touchdown game against the Jets. Um, DK has been average, although he's been better. Tyler Lockett has sucked. Last week, Carlos Hyde cut into Chris Carson's work. So the the horses that you were depending on in this offense no longer exist. Their tight end is no longer an option. So the question is, what do you do? Um, is it as simple as you play DK Metcalf and you look for better options for than Russell Westbrook? Um, how are you guys playing? Russell Westbrook, Tim. Russell Wilson, sorry. Let's go. Yo, Dude, let Russell me... Westbrook, real quick, Jay. Never scored less than 22 fantasy points through the first nine weeks of the season. He scored less than 22 fantasy points in five of the last six games, and the game where he didn't was against the Jets, where he put up 23 fantasy points. He's been a do-do. He's been streaky his entire career, in fantasy at least, and that's just how he's been. So it shouldn't be surprising. I told you guys I hated him last week, and I still ranked him too high at quarterback 14 or 13 or whatever. And now if you look at his true throw value the last four weeks, that is equivalent to Gardner Minshew across the entire season. Oh, my God. He's been yep. that bad. Gardner Minshew and fucking Ryan Finley. So we're basically looking at Metcalf and Lockett as Higgins and Boyd or as Chark and Chenault. Like Here's, these are the it's different tough. though, because they're obviously better players. And and Russell Wilson always has the ability to go crazy. But the Rams yeah, have exactly. in, especially in good matchups. Like not I mean not good matchups, in uh big matchups where it's he 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 tends to play up to his competition. And they have so a chance at the division floor. now with the Rams lost last week. Yeah, so we're looking at the... I'm, I'm talking about the floor when I say this with you guys. But last time they played the Rams, Metcalf ended with 2-28. and 28, So it's pretty DJ Charky, if you ask me. Um, <laughs> look, yeah, right I, now... I do, 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 do. There is something what? to be said also about the fact that Russell... I mean, Russell Wilson struggles against teams that get high sack numbers, and he's facing Aaron Donald. 
Um, let's go over to the other side because the Seahawks defense has been much better. Well, well, you're skipping over the uh, the running backs. Oh, yeah, for the Seahawks, Sorry, go ahead. So how do you feel about the uh, Seahawks? I know you said, oh, Carlos Hyde's been stealing work. That tends to be the sentiment currently out of Seattle because Hyde scored the 50-yard touchdown last week. But that was one of two rushes. Chris Carson played 70% of snaps, saw 15 carries, had three targets. Uh, that was actually the first time since he came back where he really operated like as a workhorse. Um, so um, it ended up also being his worst game since he's returned, um, unfortunately. He didn't find the end zone. The Rams are a difficult matchup, but I do think they're going to be handing the ball off a lot. Um, so I do like Chris Carson still as a high-end RB2. Um, in a Russell Wilson-led offense, there's always a chance the running back has a big game. And outside of last week, people are just acting like Chris Carson is like some untrustworthy guy now. He's been super trustworthy all season when healthy. Yeah. Uh for sure. That's what I was expecting you to say. Uh, Carl's Hyde isn't actually cutting into Carson's work. You see how I, 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 I'm fucking just, I, I handed it to you. Handed it to you. The Rams, by the way, is, have only given up two QB 18 or better performances on the entire season. Um, and we know that Russell Wilson struggles against pressure. Let's go over to the Rams side. You, If we saw Rams at Seahawks, we'd be like, yeah, sign us up. The first time we saw Rams at Seahawks, we said, yeah, sign us up. But this Secondary has been much better since the addition of Carlos Dunlap and cover your ears, Michael and Jason, Jamal Adams uh, coming back and making an impact. So with that being said, um, how are you feeling about these Rams options on the outside? Robert Woods had a nice game. Cooper Cup uh, continues to disappoint. How are you feeling about these guys? Look, Carlos Dunlap, Carlos Dunlap came in and Seattle started playing a lot better because they got a better pass rusher. Stop acting like Jamal Adams is some type of star. Oh, Jamal he, Adams has nine and a half sacks. Because he runs straight to the quarterback unblocked and gets some sacks so, as a safety. Oh, so you're saying that the Seahawks so got... This conversation the, again, oh, so, you're, so you're saying the Seahawks got better because they increased their pass rush, and then you're saying Jamal Adams sucks because he, he, he rushes the passer? Like, I don't even understand that. No, because they got an actual pass rusher on the line of scrimmage okay. in Carlos Dunlap. Continue. Over the past four weeks, Robert Woods is 25th in true target value, even though Russell Wilson has struggled, and that's because he also gets work on the ground. He also He's just a good player. He makes shit happen. Cooper Cup, on the other hand, wide receiver 57. He has not made shit happen. Ten targets in the last two weeks combined, not necessarily what you want to see. And the Rams are a good secondary. So I do think Robert Woods is, again, a strong play because Goff is going to hit his... It's going to hit Woods no matter what because Woods runs more like drag routes and takes more uh, jet sweeps and stuff of that sort where Goff doesn't really need to be playing good to for Woods to have a good game. Whereas Cup is different. He needs to connect with passes. And it just hasn't really happened. So I think he's definitely more of a wide receiver three than anything else. I just want to say one more thing about Jamal Adams. I know PFF isn't king by any means. God. But he's the 49th-ranked safety, completely buoyed by pass rush. Marcus May is a third-ranked safety. Marcus May is just playing Jamal Adams' position from last year and is having just as much success. So that's all I'm going to say about Jamal Adams. To, to deny that he's been a good, has a positive impact on the Seahawks' defense is ridiculous. Um, what about the backfield? Because we mentioned this. A lot, a lot of people out there are a little higher on Daryl Henderson than we are. I'm not high on Daryl Anderson. I think that I'd rather go with the other guys that are maybe available, like Le'Veon Bell, Jeff Wilson, um, guys, uh, Tony Pollard, guys like that, uh, because you don't know. But with that being said, in games that Cam Akers did not play, he's averaging 12 PPR points. Not Dude, letting we have the world, a, on fi- world on fire. 
I'm gonna let Michael talk after me because he wrote something up on Malcolm Brown for Fantasy Pros. But we're gonna have a good old fashioned disagreement on this podcast here because I love me some Daryl Henderson this week, man. Mm. The last time the you think Seattle's run defense is good, but their secondary it it hasn't really been that good. And the Rams scored three touchdowns last time, three rushing touchdowns last time they played Seattle. And Daryl Henderson has been good when the lead when being a lead back this year. There was a stretch with uh weeks five through seven. He was a top twenty-five running back. He was basically a locked and loaded RB2 every time he went out and played as the lead back for the Rams. And now he's going to be the lead back for the Rams again. And I know that Malcolm Brown is going to mix in, but we've seen games where they both produce well. I'm I'm higher on Henderson than you guys. I have him running back 18. I think he's going to perform well. Oh, yeah. Henderson scares me. Uh, in the sleeper bust article I was writing about, they're asking for deep sleepers. Mine was Malcolm Brown because... Uh, Look, he outsnapped Henderson last week, sixteen to seven, after Acres went down, and it was not like it was a game where they were leading by a lot. They needed to come back against the Jets, and Malcolm Brown was the main beneficiary. Brown also has three games this season as a top twenty running back. Uh, in each of those three games, he scored a touchdown. Um, so he is kind of touchdown dependent. But the Seahawks, despite the fact that they're allowing the third least rushing yards to opposing running backs on the year, have allowed sixteen touchdowns to running backs, which is sixth most in the NFL. Uh, so touchdown dependency isn't by any means the worst thing in the world here for Brown. And they're also one of seven teams to allow 600 receiving yards on the year to opposing running backs. And Malcolm Brown has five more receptions than Henderson on the season. So yeah, uh, I'm not super trust. I'm not going to put my trust in Daryl Henderson this week. I think he's a low end RB two flex play. I prefer him in the flex. And I think in deeper leagues, Malcolm Brown has some appeal as well. I don't think that they're going to be very far off when all is said and done. Um, anyone else you guys want to talk about in this matchup? You're not starting Jared uh, Goff. I think you can stay away from Jared Goff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tyler Higby's come on a little bit, uh, but you also need to note that the Jets have just been awful mm-hmm. against tight ends, so you can contribute that a little bit to it. I don't want to write off Higby as an option completely, though. I have him at tight end 14. He's been seeing a, few, a bit more work recently. Five targets or more in two of the last three games, two touchdowns in those three games. So he's someone to consider if you're really thin at tight end. All right, let's move on to the next game. It is the Packers and the Titans. The Titans and the Packers are the best on TV. The true throw value king and his team <laughs> playing this year's true value king. Right, Aaron, Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers first and Tannehill second. I mean, this is going to be a big, a big offense game. I predict it's a super fire game. Yeah, this is a great saying. game for Sunday night. Um, yeah. would I'm gonna like to see the the Titans on primetime. I don't think we've seen the Titans on primetime yet this year. So excited to see the Titans on primetime. The Packers Thursday. have been on on primetime. Um. Devonte Adams, I think, forget about that game he had last week. The Titans have been beatable. You start him. You start MVP Aaron Rodgers, um, and you start Aaron Jones, who just came back. And I just in the championship game, I just don't think you start anyone else. If you want to take a shot, um, oh, t- I'm sorry, Tunyon. You start Tunyon, but I don't think you just. I think you start the studs, and you don't start anyone else because I just don't see it. And with and Jamal Williams is not practicing. And last week, Aaron Jones was an absolute workhorse. And I think that happens again. Love Aaron Jones. Love Deont- love 
um, Devontae Adams. Love Aaron Rodgers. Love Robert Tanyan. Don't like anyone else. How are you guys feeling about that? Uh, it's, it's of course, hard to trust any other wide receiver in this game. If I had to choose one, to be Lazard. He does have some flex appeal just because he outsnapped MVS last week, ran more pass routes than him. First time he's done it since the injury. He certainly played more than MVS before his injury back early in the season. So he's overtaken that role. And this is the highest over-under of the season. I mean, of the week. Uh, I really think it's going to be a high-scoring game unless, like, a blizzard hits Green Bay. We should expect a decent shootout in this game. There's worse start throws than uh, Lazard. I, I'm on the other end here. I'd prefer MVS. Um, if I'm going to choose one of the second receivers on that team, I'm going to take the one who has a better shot at catching a long touchdown against a beatable secondary. So I actually prefer MVS slightly. Um, albeit he's certainly riskier, but I do think he has significantly more upside. It's debatable, wouldn't you say? <laughs> um, hey, Aaron Jones, a great play. Um, I don't think Aaron Jones and Aaron John Rogers, the AA Rons are both set it and forget it starts here. Let's go over then to the Titan side, because you guys mentioned about the wide receivers. I kind of prefer Corey Davis to AJ Brown in this game, because you expect, on, you expect AJ Brown to get Jair Alexander. And so, so that would mean that, you know, more, more, more uh, Corey Davis. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, I just think that AJ Brown is talented enough to uh, deter. Like someone recently asked us um, about Calvin Ridley or, or Julio, DeAndre Hopkins when they were playing the Packers or some shit like that. And I was like, don't worry about the hop against Jerry Alexander. He's DeAndre Hopkins. And AJ Brown is maybe not DeAndre Hopkins level, but one B if you want to get to that conversation. He's a really good football player. I'm not super scared. And if you look at the Packers schedule, guys, they have one win against a team with a winning record. And it's not that they've been bad against teams with winning records. It's just that their schedule is a cakewalk. Like, geez, I'm kind of questioning how good the Packers are because of how easy their schedule was. Of course, you got to beat these teams, and those teams have worse records because the Packers beat them. So there's that aspect to it. But they haven't played a quarterback of Tannehill's level since week seven. I'm not scared away by the secondary. I think it's been buoyed by the easy schedule. Uh, give me Tannehill, who's been absolutely on fire, and I'm starting Brown and Davis confidently as well. Um, I don't disagree with anything you just said, and also you're firing up Derrick Henry. Yeah. Look, we've been riding the true value Kings coattails, and you know what? Not even coattails. We're, we're right up there with Ryan Tannehill. I'm not going to disrespect us. We've been riding the true value King all season. Uh, last season, too, He's just a he's been a beast, and if I'm going to go down... It's going to be going down with Ryan Tannehill at my quarterback position. And call um, me crazy. I'm still going to play him in what on paper looks like a bad matchup against Green Bay. This is the highest scoring offense tied with the Chiefs. Uh, they, they're tied with the Packers for the most touchdowns on offense. Like that, they've been absolutely rolling, and Tannehill has been a stud. Uh, call me crazy, but I think that, first of all, Ryan Tannehill should easily be in the MVP conversation. This guy's 31 touchdowns passing and five interceptions never mind his rushing touchdowns as well guys playing like an mvp but i don't hate johnu smith five Stupid. targets last Stupid. week five catches 52 yards i said last week that he's been decent he's caught touchdowns in three of his last he caught touchdowns three weeks in a row before dealing with injuries 17th tight end last week without finding the end zone i wouldn't be surprised if he finds pay dirt again this week well, good luck with that. Um, anyone else you guys want to talk about in this game? 
Uh, no, but uh, we're very excited for it. Let's finish it off. Uh, the Bills. MVP. The Bills and yeah, the Packers. We're like, we're like quasi-Titans fans, so. Oh, yeah, for sure. Let's go Titans. <laughs> the Bills and the Packers. I mean, the Bills and the Pats, excuse me. Um, this one should be quick. Uh, again, it's the last one, I know, but. Dude, the Pats are on pace to throw nine t- TDs this year. According to J.J. Zacharyson, the only team that has less than 10 passing TDs in the last pass, last 10 in the last decade is the 2012 Kansas City Chiefs. Um, this is unprecedented, what's going on. Um, and to make it worse, it's, an, it's a Patriots offense. So it's not even like you can trust uh, a running back in this game. Um, I'm not playing any Patriots in the championship. No way. You can't make me. And they got to be deflated now that they're just out of the playoff hunt. Like, they're done. Uh, first time in, like, 20 years that they're not making the playoffs. Cam Newton, like you said, more rushing touchdowns than passing touchdowns is just absolutely hilarious. Uh, his time in the league is certainly going to be done after this week. I'd yeah. be, I mean, I'd be shocked if he gets another job uh, after this year. Maybe as a backup, but certainly not as a starter. I'd be shocked and, if he starts week six, 17. Um, they're going to want to see yeah. what they got with Jared Stidham. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, I... I've been saying this the entire season. Just do not trust Patriots. There's no reason to. Period. Done. Right. If you go back to our YouTube videos, and we had, because of, you know, timing issues and just life, we had to stop doing the YouTube productions this week, this year. But if you go back to our YouTube videos and you check out the uh, the summer heat wave for the Patriots, Michael, the first thing he says is, do not play any Patriots all year whatsoever. Please don't draft any of them. And he was right. Yep. Um Let's go over to the Bills side, though, because those are guys you're happy you drafted. I don't have any problem starting Josh Allen in this game. I don't. I think there's a chance that Bill Belichick kind of lets his guard up here. I think that maybe maybe for the first time with Bill Belichick playing with a game that doesn't mean anything, maybe he lets his guard up. And Josh Allen has been good enough, so that doesn't matter. I think I, I love him. I love Stephon Diggs with no Stephon Gilmore to, uh, to cover him. Um, I like Cole Beasley in the game. I'm it I think where it gets tricky is the running back situation. But Jason, why don't you talk about the pass catches before we talk about the running is back? Is the situation? Josh Allen concern this week? Because I find it to be a concern across Twitter thus far this week. Is the concern about like that they clinched and he may not play the whole game or I think the con- no. no. The concern like, because just as he's still, playing New England, like they, they're still in, in the in the race for yeah, a dumb. bye week. There it's it's a long shot, but if if the Kansas City Chiefs the, lose the next two Josh games, Josh Allen hate is dumb, Michael. Right? Yeah, absolutely. It's stupid. It's dumb. And, and I, don't I it think either. I think it's because usually the Pats take away your number one thing. That's like the art of war, right? You always attack your enemy's uh, weaknesses rather than their strengths. But I think that's that's what they're trying to take out. They're trying to take him out. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, I don't, I, I don't get it. I'm playing him. Full force. I'm firing up Josh Allen, man. Yeah. Unless you have like Jalen Hurts or Tannehill or like those are really the only two guys you may have been able to get recently. I'm firing up Josh Allen, man. I don't know what league is going to let you get Ryan Tannehill recently. Um, well, he had a rough patch of games, like tough matchups where some people dropped him. What about the running backs? Like week 10 when he went up against Indy. The running backs, I'm not touching. If you want to trust Zach Moss or Devin Singletary to bring you a fantasy championship, on Monday night, it's going to be a sad Monday for you. If you have to, have to, have to, I'm going with Daryl with uh with Singletary over Moss. It seems like Singletary had a better game because he broke out a 50 yard touchdown for no reason. Yeah, but Zach Moss had 13 rushes for 81 yards in that same game. He was the better player. He saw more rushes. Devin Singletary was one that saw the catches though. Yeah, it's sad because combined, 
Yeah, combined, they saw 24 touches. That would be a RB1 if they were the same person. But separately, it's tough to trust either of them. Yeah, 100% agree. And Gabriel Davis finally came back down to earth because he didn't catch a touchdown. And uh, if John Brown doesn't return, he's going to be another flex-worthy uh, flex touchdown dependent option. Um, he, he, that's why I've been hesitant to trust um, Gabriel Davis for so long. It's a, it's The touchdown dependent option is, as a wide receiver, seeing four or five targets a game tops, is it's tough to trust. Any Dawson Knox consideration? He's Michael texted us during the during Sunday last week. He's like, "Well, I guess Dawson Knox is nice now." <laughs> yeah, Dawson Knox three touchdowns over the last four weeks. Um, he's seen four targets, seven targets, four targets, which is season highs over the last three weeks as well. Uh, he's getting more involved in the passing game. I wouldn't want to trust Dawson Knox because he has been touchdown dependent and he's still not super involved in the offense. But as a tight end, two. At this point, he's his name is certainly in consideration. And I feel like I want to kick this last question to Jason. And the last player I want to talk about on the entire year for Week 16, I want to talk about this player for one reason. The Bees Knees! Ooh, Jason, what I got. here we are, Week 16, and Cole Beasley is in consideration to be played in two wide receiver leagues. It's real. Cole Beasley, baby. I, I like Cole Beasley in this game. Me too, man. You can't you can't argue with results. Uh, in the past, he's been an eight-point machine, but he's been a lot more than that recently, and now he's 11th in true target value over the last four weeks. Has seen double-digit targets three weeks in a row. There's no denying that the Bees' knees has taken on an expanded role this season, and I haven't ranked as my wide receiver 19. I've been ranking him highly for a bit now, and... Uh, you you live and you learn. I like Beasley. You he live. needs only he needs only fifty yards um, over the last two games. Well, he's already broken his reception uh, season high. So shout out him with two games left and only fifty yards first first ever one thousand yard season. So shout out Cole Beasley getting it done. And quick note about Dawson Knox: fifteenth in true target value over the last four weeks for tight ends. That's where I have him ranked this week. Fifteen. He's really not the worst option. All right, uh, that is it. We did it. We got past the regular season. We're going to be coming to you next week, of course, um, with some Week 17, just in case you're, you're championships in Week 17. We're going to be coming at you with some Week 17 stuff, but also some more fun, uh, recappy things for the season. Um, so, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us this year. Um, don't forget, we have a live stream on Twitter, at uh, Brodo Fantasy. On Twitter uh, is going to start at uh, 11.30 Eastern time and run up until 12.30 Eastern time. So if you have any start sits. So if you have any start sits for us, come by and ask us questions. We're always available on Twitter as well at Broto Fantasy. BrotoFantasy.com is where you're going to get all your fantasy stuff throughout the year. Patreon.com slash BrotoFantasy to play in some. We got fantasy basketball leagues brewing. We got fantasy baseball leagues brewing. Uh, if you're into fantasy, come check us out and come play with a great community of people in the Discord we love y'all Discords, people in Discord, man. We love you guys. Uh, great community that we've built. Um, it just makes sense that the community we'd get along with because they all like us, so it makes sense.
that we well like them too. It's just, it's just, this is how the internet works, right? We put our voices out there, and then these are people we'd probably be friends with if we met them in like high school. But now they're just in the Discord with us, and they're awesome people. So shout out to all you guys if you want to join that community. BrotoFantasy.com and Patreon.com/slash/BrotoFantasy. Jason, where can they find you personally? At BrotoFFJason. Jason, you're bad at noticing when I'm muted. You should have talked. To I'm bad at noticing when you're muted. I told you, sometimes it takes time for the mute to come up on this thing. Okay, Jason, whatever you say. Um, <laughs> Michael, go ahead. What's yours? Uh, Broto FF Mike, of course. And, of course, Broto FF Tim. See what we did there. At Broto Fantasy for everyone else. Thank you so much for being part of the Broto Fantasy Football Podcast this year. Um, you know, just on a personal note, it's been our most successful year as a podcast this is year four now it is our most successful year by far in terms of uh, listenership and uh, website viewership and interacting with you guys so thank you so much for being with us during this time we love you guys uh, we appreciate you more than you could ever know and uh that is all for us peace out good luck thank in the you. championship and happy holidays and happy, happy holidays. holidays peace